Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Amen. A couple of things to just say thank you for. First of all, thank you to all of you. Um, on behalf of the pastoral and ministry team, I just want to say thank you for the expressions of love and kindness and grace and appreciation that we've had over the course of this month. Uh, we are blessed. We're blessed as a church, but we're blessed as a church staff to serve such an amazing group of people. And we have felt your, your love and appreciation over the course of this past month in, in many significant ways. So thank you for that. Um, also, thanks to uh, Tony and the praise team for, for filling in when Pastor Val's not here. Um, it's, it's a lot of work to prepare a worship set. And so I am so grateful uh, for them uh, and for their uh, willingness to serve um, in her absence. Uh, also, thanks to uh, all those who help out in rotation in, in kids' ministry. Um, today's Family Sunday, the last Sunday of the month. Um, and so the kids are with us, and so we're going to hear a few extra noises in service today, and I want to say that's okay. If, if you're a parent like me, and sometimes you feel a little self-conscious about that, I want, I want to tell you that all I've ever heard here is, we love the kids. Uh, and we're glad they're in here, even when they make a few extra noises. So as much as I know that I struggle with this, I want to tell you, don't worry about it. We understand those little noises, and and that's a beautiful thing. So um, it's good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We have a, a baptismal over here that I'm excited to use a little bit later in the service, and we'll get to that. But before we do, I want to turn to the Word this morning. Um, we've been moving through the, the, the month of October in a, in a series that I've kind of informally named Transformed. This is the Transformed series. We talked about Paul. We talked about Esther and Mary Magdalene last week. We talked about the Ethiopian eunuch. Pictures of lives changed in multiple ways, each one unique in their story, just like you and just like me, each one unique in the work that God had for them. Today, today is going to be uh, another, another fantastic day, most of which uh, we're going to experience uh, as we close out the service with baptism um, and, and having the kids here on Family Sunday. It just felt like a, a great day um, to respond to last week's call, right? Remember the call of the Ethiopian eunuch? He just heard about Jesus. He just had Isaiah explain to him, well, what does this mean? Peter explained it to him, and he says, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he was baptized that day, um, and we get to celebrate that today. But today, uh, the message is, is 
a simple one, if not a difficult one, a, a transformation story uh, in the making uh, as we look at the life of King David. So today we're going to be turning to 2 Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 12. If you want to turn your Bibles there or point your devices in that direction, 2 Samuel, chapter 12, um, as we look into the lives of, or into the life of, of King David. We'll be starting at verse 1 and reading through verse 10, and then skip down for the first half of verse 13. Um, out of reverence for the reading of God's word, those who are willing and able, would you please stand as we read together? Reading from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12 from the Common English Bible. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. When Nathan arrived, he said, There were two men in the same city, one rich, one poor. The rich man had a lot of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing, just one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised that lamb, and it grew up with him and his children. It would eat from his food and drink from his cup, even sleep in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. I've never raised sheep, but I don't think I would do that. (laughs) Verse 4. Now a traveler came to visit the rich man, and he wasn't willing to take anything. The rich man wasn't willing to take anything from his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had arrived. Instead, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the visitor. David got very angry at the man. He said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the one who did this is demonic. He must restore the ewe lamb seven times over because he did this and because he had no compassion. Verse 7, you are that man, Nathan told David. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from Saul's power. I gave you your master... I gave your master's house to you and gave his wives into your embrace. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If that was too little, I would have given even more. Why have you despised the Lord's word by doing what is evil in his eyes? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and taken his wife as your own. You used the Ammonites to kill him. Because of that, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite as your own, the sword will never leave your own house. And skipping down to verse 13, the first half, it says this, David's response, I've sinned against the Lord, David said to Nathan. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please take a seat. Who do you follow? Who are the people that you follow? Who are the teams or the organizations that you follow? I have a lot of pretty pointless follows in my life, which Tom likes to point out from time to time. None more pointless than the Mariners, right? Um, We're in the middle of the World Series. If you're a baseball fan, it's a fun time to to be a baseball fan. A couple of close games um, with... Possibly, if you're cheering for the correct team, good results the last couple of days. Um, But our sports teams, our our coffee brands, the YouTuber that we like to follow and that makes us laugh, the Instagram account that shares stories or shows exotic places to travel. 
we all kind of have these follows, right? These, these things that we like to follow. The world has kind of been inundated with them because people have been able to monetize them, I think, has a, has a, there's a factor of that in there. But there are more significant follows in our life, too. There are more significant ones than sports teams and, and coffee brands. I love to follow my kids, and to go to their concerts, to see and view their achievements, their sports games, their ideas, and their passions. Maybe you follow an, an author who, who makes you think or who has helped you grow, has become a mentor to you. Or maybe you have a personal mentor, a friend who has invested into your life as a per person and who is a few steps further down that journey than you are. And they've been able to pour into your life and invest in your life. But then there's the most important follow that we can have. Are we following God? Do we follow God? I think that's an easy way of putting it these days. I think that's a, a way that we frame it often. I, I'm a Christ follower. I like, I like to follow God. And so much so that I think that's kind of become like almost politically correct way of saying, I'm a Christian. You see, we want to we follow God. We like to follow Jesus because God is pretty good. He'd probably make our life pretty good, too, and he loves us. We like talking about that. It's kind of how we paint it these days as being Christ's followers. But in this story of David, we see there's a little bit more to it. We, ha we, we have to admit, um, there's more to the story than just, just following after God. And that if we, if we leave it there, if we just always kind of frame it, someone could come to church for a long time or go to Sunday school classes for a long time or read Christian books for a long time and say, yeah, I, I've followed God a long time. I've followed God in my life. King David teaches us a part of transformation that's so critical and so important. Now, I have to admit, King David probably isn't my favorite biblical story or biblical character. Uh, for, for a lot of reasons, uh, David had a lot of chances set up pretty well. Um, and yet, at times, behaved kind of poorly. Uh, if you're familiar with David's story, he was, he was uh, a youngest, youngest of eight sons of Jesse, uh, wasn't even in the running when Samuel came to anoint Israel's king. Samuel had come and said, go, been told, go to the house of Jesse and look at, look at Jesse's sons. There was one who immediately caught his eye. He was tall and dark and handsome and strong and rugged. And through the human eyes of Samuel, Samuel said, ah, he'd make a great king. Turns out David wasn't in the, even in the building. The seven sons had been there, and David was still out tending sheep, and, and Jesse had made the determination, if it's any of my sons, it definitely won't be David. And he's, he's out tending the sheep. And David starts out pretty well, humbly accepts his anointing, goes to work in service of the king. Uh, there's the famous story of him against Goliath killing the giant Philistine 
so successful early on that he has to go on the run from the current king. King Saul gets a little jealous. King Saul gets a little mad, so he has to take off. And during that pursuit, multiple times, David had the chance to to eliminate his competition, to take care of King Saul. But he spares Saul's life, spares others. We see a leader at the beginning who is humble and appreciative, full of mercy and grace in his interactions. But David settles into being king pretty well. And something changes inside of him. As you look at his narrative, it seems like something changes. He had had military success. He had established Israel in their place in the, in the community of nations in the Middle East. And, and he grows prosperous and, and develops this nation state that had some influence and some clout. The economy is strong and sustainable. Things seem to be looking up for Israel. And in truth, the reality of what David built is that um, it would become for the people of Israel for centuries uh, kind of this golden ideal upon which they would look back upon, right? And yearn for, oh, how we wish we could get back to the times of David, back when David was king. David was the author of the Israelite good old days, <laughs> Don't you remember the good old days? Don't you remember when we had success and when we had influence? Get us back to those good old days. This is how we always, this is how um, things tend to go, right? If we could just get back to those days, the nostalgia, the prosperity, we all somewhat long for this, Right? Even today, <laughs> uh, I wish we could say, oh, that's just Israel's uh, habits. That's just how Israel turns. But even today, sometimes we like to speak about getting back to, to the good old days. For Israel, it all kind of centered around this person of David who became the hero and the golden boy, so to speak. But it's in this place that David lost his bearings as a leader of the country, as a leader of the kingdom, as a moral person. And many of you are familiar with this story. Uh, it starts really one chapter previous, chapter 11. Uh, the time had come, it says at the beginning of chapter 11. Some of you have already read this part. The time had come, and it says this. What time was it? It says, the beginning of chapter 11, the time when kings go off to war. I don't know, I don't know the, the history of that. I don't know if it was seasonal. I don't know if there was a, a season in which they're like, okay, now's the time. We're going to lay our cards on the deck and, and all the kings are going to go to war. I don't know. But for some reason, David felt like he had done his time, had put in his work, and, and that he would just sit this one out. In the season when kings go off to war, David said, go ahead, I'm going to... I'm going to sit back in the palace and take this year off. And in that moment, kind of felt entitled, kind of took advantage of the power that he had and the success that he had been given and the control and influence that his life had achieved up to that point. And through it all, and not to get into specifics on Family Sunday, <laughs> 
A woman was abused, a child was conceived, a man was killed, and a king feeling justified in his cover-up. It all worked out. All worked out for King David. And that's where we enter the story today. That's where God says, I have to intervene with Nathan having been sent to deliver a message. Nathan, instead of attacking it head on, instead tells a story. A story about a man who was rich and had everything he wanted. And a story about a man who was poor and had only one small lamb. And the story goes, you heard the story as we read it, when this distinguished guest from out of town arrives and and comes to visit not the poor man, but the rich man. The man that was rich, the man with wealth, the man with power and influence stole the poor man's lamb, had it prepared and served as a meal to the guest that day. David's righteous anger burned at the man. How dare he? That's not right. That's not how we treat people. This isn't going to happen in my kingdom. I'll tell you what should happen. That rich man ought to pay him back sevenfold for what he's taken. Instead of one small lamb, he should have seven. And the words of Nathan in reply etch in King David's memory this severe indictment. You are that man. You are that man. Oh, the weight of that word in David's life. Nathan spoke truth to power. He was the prophet. He was the the outsider. He didn't have influence and control but spoke truth to power. And in a bit of a turnaround, I have to give David credit here. He repents. David repents. He is broken and heavy and remorseful. Earlier in the service, Debbie read from Psalm 51. Psalm 51, the header says, this is the psalm that David wrote after he had been Confronted by Nathan the prophet. David's response when he was caught in sin, and he says, my sin is ever before me. It's always in front of me. He says, I've sinned against you. I was born in guilt. Purify, cleanse me, wash me, make me whiter than snow. David was a man who knew how to repent. How to step back and say, I have sinned not just against the people around me, not just against the people that I have offended and abused, but against my God. And he prays in Psalm 51, create in me, O God, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit with me. See, David felt that weight, the weight of that sin, and he he repented. He said, I have sinned against the Lord, he proclaimed. Repentance just really isn't as, (laughs) as popular these days. I don't know what the deal is. Preacher, can you go back to following God? To following Jesus and how he loves us and wants good things for our lives? 
That's an easier message today. That's an easier message today because it it strikes the chord of, of God's love for us, which is never in question, by the way, and is never in question for David. But today, the message from this story of David is not one you have to live a perfect life, not one that God's going to make life easy, not one that everything's going to work out. The message that we hear from David today is repentance. Repentance, that we need to look our faces in the mirror and realize that we are deeply in need of the grace of God. That we are broken, that we are selfish, that we struggle with sin at times. It's easier, it's more comfortable to talk about following God. But repentance is such a crucial step. Repentance is that which starts our journey with God. That we can hear all about God, that we can talk a lot about God, we can attend classes about God and read books about God. But to live with God, there is this initial step of repentance. Those who say, Lord, I'm in deep need of your grace. I'm broken. I've sinned and I need to be cleansed. And I need to repent. Repentance has two parts. Repentance is not only this sense of of being sorry, of being remorseful for the things in our lives that don't align with the purposes and the ways of God, but a turning around, a change of life. Repentance, true repentance, requires us to change behavior and to say, I'm no longer going to walk in that direction. And there's an intentionality there and a purposefulness. Today we are talking about, or or we're closing our service with with the baptism. For those who step into the waters of baptism, the heart of, of repentance is a must, an essential and for those who claim to follow Christ, you know that easy one, like, I'm going to follow Christ in my life. It's an essential step to truly follow Christ. It's not a head thing, a mental thing, a mental agreement, just figuring out, okay, this, this is how we want to live our lives. There has to be this moment of deep conviction of sin, of saying, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to, I want to not just hear about God, but do life with God. I need to repent of my sins. Just like David, a realization that he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And I repent a full repentance, not only sorry for my sins, and not just sorry I got caught, but to turn away from those sins with all that we are. The amazing thing about God, the love of God, is that when we do, in that moment when we do, God's there. 
And God is ready. God is faithful to receive our cry for repentance and answer with a resounding, my child, you are forgiven. And that's what baptism is truly all about. That's what it symbolizes. That's what it means. That's what it looks like. It's the one who has truly repented of their sins and chosen to follow Jesus steps into the waters of baptism to say, I choose Christ. I'm not perfect. I haven't got it all figured out. But I have received the declaration from Christ. You are forgiven. It was Peter in Acts chapter 2. We talked about this several weeks ago. Who, after receiving the Holy Spirit, he goes out and speaks to the people. Right? And talks to them. And it's this amazing moment where the people say, we, we hear the disciples speaking in our own languages. Have they been drinking a little too much? That's what it actually says. Um, and Peter says, no. We have something important to tell you, something so important. Talks about how Jesus had come from God and Israel had crucified him. It says the crowd became troubled and asked, what should we do? Like this crowd that had gathered on that day felt such angst about what had happened and, and the message and the story that Peter had shared through the power of the Holy Spirit. They said, what should we do? What did Peter say? <laughs> he starts with, change your hearts and lives. Repent. If you feel this way, if you feel this conviction, that's the Holy Spirit beginning to be poured out in your life. Repent. Change your hearts and lives. And the NIV says this, repent and be baptized. <laughs> repent and be baptized. The very first sermon, just after Peter had received the Holy Spirit, he encouraged the people to say, repent and be baptized. This is the call of Christian living. Repent, change your ways, move away from sin and toward God. This following thing is not just be exposed, be in the presence of God, be in worship services. All those things are important. But repent and change your ways. Move away from sin and toward God. Become part of the body of believers, learning new rhythms and new routines in life that faithfully draw us back into the presence of Christ. And Peter made the invitation, come to the waters of baptism. Before we begin our, our baptism ceremony this morning, I, I want to pray. I want to pray for us as we close out the, this message. It's a simple prayer today. Because the, simple, uh, the prayer of repentance is not complicated. It's not easy. But it's not complicated. It's simple. And I want to pray that prayer today. And, and there's likely two, two people that I want to pray that prayer with today. Some today who have never repented. 
we play the part of going to church. We, we do the right thing. Maybe we're exploring what God has for us. But we've never repented of and been convicted by the sin that's present in our lives. And if that's you today, today could be the day that you say, I repent. Lord, take my sin. I'm sorry. I've lived my own way. I've followed my own rules. I've done my own thing. I repent. And I want to follow you in my life. And likely there's a second group here today. Some today who simply have unconfessed sin and need to repent. Maybe it's stubborn and habitual. Maybe you carry a load of guilt today. My message to you is the same today. Confess your sin and repent. Turn away. Change your hearts and lives. Let's pray today. God, you are a holy and loving God, one who reaches out to us even before we reach out to you. We believe that you work on our behalf for our good, speaking to us and leading us back toward yourself. And today, the message from King David is very simple and very clear that we need to repent. That we need to, to feel this conviction for the sin that's present in our lives. And we need to say, God, this is not right. I have not been living the way that you would have me live. And today I wish to turn away. I wish to say that I'm sorry, that I'm deeply moved. <laughs> have a bit of that righteous anger in our lives, God. So sorry. And feel the weight of that apology and that repentance. But at the same time, to, to have our lives move in a, in a different direction. <laughs> Not a trite or actionless apology. So God, today, we just, uh, I just want to, on behalf of our people, acknowledge the grace that comes in repentance. Lord, for those today, maybe in one of these two categories, or, or maybe they find themselves in, in another category, God, something I didn't mention but for those maybe who've never taken that step of repentance, who, who maybe have been around church just a short time or, or just exploring what it means to, to be a Christian, or maybe some who've been around for quite, a, quite some time. Lord, today I pray this prayer of repentance. Forgive me, Father, of my sins and help me to turn away. Help me to live the life that you would have for me. Lord, there are others in this room I know that have, have struggled to be faithful to you and have unconfessed sins and today need to repent. And for them, I utter the very same words. God, I repent of my sins. 
want to follow you. Help me each and every day to follow you. For you are a grace of, or a God of grace and a God of love. And it's a wonderful thing to follow you. And yet, essential to that process is this point at which we say, God, I'm sorry. I, God, I'm sorry for my sins. God, I repent. And I turn away from the way that I have been living before. Lord, for those that are here that have prayed that prayer, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come rushing over them and surround them and enfold them as they live in that sense of forgiveness. For you are faithful. You are faithful to be there and to answer that prayer and to forgive us of our sins. And I'm so grateful today. Lord, as we move to uh, a baptism ceremony, God, I'm so, I'm so thankful um, for those who, who choose to uh, participate in the sacraments. God, we, we get to, to share in communion often um, in this place. Uh, baptism is a little less often. Uh, and so when we, we have the chance to do that, God, I, I am so grateful for, for those that respond. As we, as we share this moment together, I pray that you would uh, continue to be in our midst and continue to speak um, and move on the hearts of those who, who are hearing these stories, whether they're, they're here or, or even tuning in live or listening recorded. God, may your grace be in the midst of this story. We love you and worship you today. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to move uh, and transition into baptism today. We have um, just one candidate for baptism this morning, um, but I think baptism is a, is a full church thing. So you guys are all participants today, and there will be things for you to say uh, and, to, and to respond to. Um, but for the one who's getting baptized, I'm going to invite him to come and sit up here on the front row, and we're going to interact, and I'm going to involve you guys as well as part of our church family. Okay. I've asked Pastor Debbie to come and keep me put together, so... She's going to get us started today. Yes. Well, this is a participatory um, celebration. So let us join with the one who is committing himself to Christ and renew our own baptismal covenant. Any person who has been baptized and would like to stand and reaffirm your baptism, renewing your covenant, are invited to stand and affirm your, their present commitment to God by, re, by reciting the Apostles' Creed with those who stand before us today. We believe in God, God the, the Father, Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and, and in Jesus Christ, Christ His, His only Son, Son our Lord, Lord who, who was, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, Pilate was, was crucified, crucified, dead, and buried, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church of Jesus Christ, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Do you affirm these truths to be representative of this faith into which you are baptized? If so, please say, I do. I do. Please be seated. Do you, Gordon, you want him up here? What's that? You want Gordon up here now? Uh, you you yeah. can stand. Gordon, would you please stand? <laughs> do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and do you believe that he saves you now? If so, please say, I do by faith. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, will you follow him all the days of your life with the community of faith, growing in grace and the love of God and neighbor? If so, please say, I will with God's help. Awesome. Let us now pray for this person who is to receive this sacrament of new birth. And I'm going to have you respond as according to the screen behind me. Deliver him, O Lord, from the way of sin and death. Open his heart to your grace and truth. Fill him with your holy and life-giving spirit. Keep him in the faith and communion of your holy church. Teach him to love others in the power of the Spirit. Send him into the world in witness to your love. Lord, hear our Bring him to the fullness of your peace and your glory. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, O Lord, that all who are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, your Son, may live in the power of his resurrection and look for him to come again in glory, who lives and reigns now and forever. And now, Lord, today we thank you for the water of baptism. For as we enter the waters, we are buried with Christ in his death. And by it, we also share his resurrection. Through it, we are reborn by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in joyful obedience to your Son, we bring into his fellowship those who come to him in faith, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Sanctify this water, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that those who here take this step of consecration may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you now to come on up to uh, the baptismal water and step in. This is the, this is the fun part. <laughs> Take your shoes off there. Gordon, how long have you been attending this church? It's been a while. 1983. Since 1983. Well, this is a joyous day for me, brother, to share this moment with you. We now present Gordon Dewey for baptism.
into the faith of Jesus Christ before you're baptized, I think you're going to share a testimony. So I'm going to grab this microphone over here. Um, and I know you've written something, and I have it for you right here, but you might go off script a little bit. I'm not sure. You might. That's okay. This has been kind of a unique year. I've had many an opportunity to spend many hours, quiet time, reflecting and listening and asking God for guidance. It's I've had some physical situations which doesn't allow me to sleep all night, and so I have to change positions. And in that time, there's sometimes hours go by where I can sit and just talk to God. So this has brought me to a deeper, deepening relationship with God. And I know I've been missing something in my walk. It is now my time to be baptized. Having been saved at a much younger age, 11 years old, 64 years ago, I've had many occasions to see God at work in my life. When my walk might not have been where it should have been, I can look back and I can always see that God was there. He carried me through things. I can see where he has protected me, kept me out of situations. He provided something that I probably hadn't expected it when it first started. I was going to join the Air Force six months earlier than when I did. But for some reason, the people I needed to talk to and stuff weren't there. The recruiter had, wasn't feeling well and had left for a while. So that gave me some more time. Well, up until that time, I had never asked Jeannie on a date. Because of that delay, I guess, I did ask her. And over time, we found out that we kind of liked each other. <laughs> so I kind of figured God kind of put us together. And he knew I would need somebody to keep me grounded. In a recent incidence, I've had a few medical problems where I've had people ask me, well, how can you even, you know, not panic and get all upset, uh, upset about it? It's, it's just been a total comfort. I know God's there, and no matter the outcome, I'm still going to be all right. I had an ambulance ride to Boise, and the ones that were taking care of me on that ride got very concerned. They thought my heart would stop before we could get to Boise. So they put their leads on me, or pads and stuff, so they could try to revive me if they had to. They didn't realize or understand that we had some unseen help riding with us. I thank God for my life. Awesome. Thank you. that back to you and I'm going to have you just sit down there which is a little awkward there you go all right all right Gordon this is a privilege for me but I know it's a privilege for you as well I'm going to have you plug your nose with one hand and then grab your wrist with the other hand there you go Gordon R. Dewey I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Woohoo!
Gordon, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. We receive you into the household of God. Confess the faith of Christ crucified. Proclaim his resurrection and share with us in his eternal priesthood. Amen. I'm going to give you up. As we all stare to make sure he doesn't fall or slip. <laughs> Maybe go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, strengthen, O oh Lord, your servant Gordon with your Holy Spirit. Empower him for your service and sustain him all the days of his life. Amen. Would you please stand for the receiving of this morning's benediction? As we receive the benediction in this place, we just extend our hands believing that God has something for us and that we receive that today. Let's pray this benediction. Lord, we confess our sins to you and repent, and we find comfort in knowing that you receive us always in your deep and abiding love. Help us to know and to feel that love deeply and to have confidence in your forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.